Thanks for joining us, traders. If you're new to our podcast, listening for the first time, we don't think you're a trader. But if you speak the truth, which is very much under attack, you're going to be considered a trader by the rest of the world. Now, the rest of the world, they are the true traders. They're the ones attacking us. And there seems to be not enough good guys who are trying to push back against these real traders, the ones we are exposing here at Truth Is Now Treason. But before we get started, we're going to ask you to hit that like button on Facebook or share this episode through your platform that you're listening to Truth Is Now Treason on. This episode will be about something that we're all going to need to hear. So let's begin by opening up with a clip from a conversation from one of the best movies ever, Tombstone. How many of you guys are Western lovers? Because I love Westerns. And this is a conversation between Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday about a common enemy they have, and their enemy is Johnny Ringo. Listen to the clip. I spent my whole life not knowing what I wanted out of life. Just chasing my tail. Now for the first time I know exactly what I want. And who? That's the damnable misery of it. Makes a man like Ringo, Doc. Makes him do the things he does. A man like Ringo got a great empty hole right through the middle of him. He can never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever fill it. What does he need? Revenge. So welcome, my fellow traders. I'm Lennox, and he is Dietrich. So did you hear what was said there? What causes an insatiable need for revenge? Hatred, anger, envy, and a complete and total lack of forgiveness. And what is so insightful about that quote is that it is so dead-on accurate when it comes to the human condition. What I also love about it is Wyatt asks what is the cause of this need for revenge that Johnny Ringo has and Doc says being born. Doc either understood that man is born sinful and is by nature wanting to hate or he saw himself a person like Ringo who was out to get back at those who hurt him. Yeah, his very eloquent words state that there is no amount of pain you can inflict, money you can steal, or embarrassment that you can create that will heal the pain you feel that causes you to crave the need for revenge. And the need for revenge is incubated by an inability to forgive. Forgiveness seems to be as rare as a steak Dietrich eats. And that's the way a steak is supposed to be made, thank you. Yuck! And because it is so rare, we see how much damage unforgiveness does to the person who was hurt, not to the person who did the hurting. Think how much damage eating a steak that is a charcoal briquette does to you. It makes me very healthy. (laughs) (laughs) We want to welcome you to our new series on forgiveness. It's called, It's Me I Can't Forgive. 
And if you missed last week's episode with Mark Sowersby, who was our guest, please make sure you listen. He shared his story about forgiveness. And boy, was it incredible the things he had to forgive. And he showed us that if he can do it, then we definitely need to explore those steps and tap into that power that makes it possible to do this. Yeah, I know that there are people out there who have gone through things that I just, I can't even imagine. And to people like that, just hearing someone who is not a psychologist take a feeble stab at this subject may not be able to help you. Now, if this is the case and you don't know where to go, I want to encourage you to seek Christian counseling for this. And if you still have no idea where to go, contact us at truthisnowtreason at gmail.com. This series was very much inspired by Lisa Turkhurst's book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, Rachel Denhollander's book, What Is a Girl Worth, and Mark Sowersby's book, Forgiving the Nightmare. You know, I can always tell how much a book influences me by how much I think about it after I read it. Lisa's book has influenced me more than any other book that I've read with the exception of the Bible. I find myself constantly going to this book in my mind, remembering things that were said in it to help me with my thought processes so that I'm focusing on what I need to be thinking about. Rachel's book is another great one that helped me see things in a light that I would not have been able to understand without somebody else explaining it to me. This book is the story of a woman who stands up to evil and does it in a way that reflects love that seeks to redeem. It's an amazing book. Now, if you've already heard our interview with Mark Sowersby, so you know how incredible his story is, I'm going to tell you the book is every bit as good. And truth is now treason is all about spreading God's word and freedom. We believe in standing up for what is right and true, and there is a ton about forgiveness that is said in God's word, and it is a treasure trove on the subject, and we want to really dig into it. If you want to have a lack of freedom in your life, Well, a perfect way to do that is to harbor unforgiveness. And this culture seems to have a complete shortage of unforgiveness. And I believe that is a large part of our problem. I also believe that if we are going to change this aspect of our culture, there's only one place that is going to happen, and that is the church. There is no one else that should be able to understand this better than the church. And as we have already covered The church has been called by God to be salt and light. And part of being salt and light is forgiving. You know, there's a reason why this subject is so near and dear to me. I have struggled with it, and I have allowed the hurts inflicted by others make me seethe with anger towards them. This hurt me, and it hurt me to the level that it changed who I was. This, as a result, not only hurt myself, but also hurt those that I loved the most. I became a hollow shell of what I was made to be. And my inability to get over what had happened made me miserable. I know that I have not suffered anywhere near as much as many others have. There are billions of people out there who have been hurt worse than I have. And I cannot imagine the struggle that they have with forgiveness. We're doing this series because we want to see people have victory. There's one time in particular where I noticed that I was having a problem with forgiveness. It should have been a wake-up call to me, but instead, in my stubbornness, I did not allow it to be. I felt that I was justified in my hatred. I was with my daughter, who was a preteen at the time, and we were at the local mall. It was December, and the time of year where you can feel joy in the air, just like you can feel humidity in Florida. I just remember this so distinctly. I was walking along, stewing in hatred and anger inside over a group of people who had hurt me and my family terribly just three months ago. 
I remember seeing people smiling and laughing because of the joy of the season, and I did not feel any of that at all. I was bitter with hatred toward those who had hurt me. You cannot feel joy in your heart when your focus is on hate. I noticed that I was seeing on the outside of those who were enjoying the festivities of the season and how I felt so different on the inside. I was with my beautiful daughter who was so valuable, but I thought, I don't get to have that kind of happiness. God rewards those who hurt me, so I'm just going to hold on to my hate since that's all I have. Yes, that's exactly how sick I was at that time. My refusal to let go of the hurt, the justification I felt in hating and craving vindication on those who hurt me, caused me to become a bitter and hate-filled soul. I was with my daughter, who should have been my focus and a reminder of how much God loves me, but instead I was focusing on hate. I missed an opportunity to be a great father. I missed out on so much because it took a few years to get over this. When I look at what I missed out on, costs can be staggering. And I know that Dietrich is not the only one who has ever felt this way. There have been times I have done this. And this is something that many, if not most of us, struggle with from time to time. As a matter of fact, I think we do it so much that we try to hide when we are struggling with it so no one else sees how bitter we really are. And so this is why we are going to look at what the Bible has to say about bitterness, which is really the result of unforgiveness. And if you look at what Scripture has to say, it equates bitterness with sin. Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 16 say this, Work at living in peace with everyone, which means it's not going to be easy at all times. And work at living a holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And make sure that no one is immoral or godless. You know, so often we like to equate being immoral with being an addict or someone who's a brawler, someone who sleeps around, or a million different things that people do that we like to look down on. And I'm not saying these things are not immoral, they are. But there is something else that the Bible calls immoral, and that's being bitter, harboring hatred, wanting others to suffer for what they have done to you. This is immoral, and it's being godless. You know, it's amazing how we never look at things this way. But this is how a godless person acts. This is how the immoral act. They are bitter. They focus on their hatred of others who have hurt them. And they are too often us. I think it's important to point out, though, that sometimes you will feel anger in the in the beginning. It's when we become godless and immoral is when we hold on to that hate because it is the proof of how we are damaged by the careless act of another. Yeah, and you're right, Lennox, and here's a way you can tell how you have allowed these feelings to take over. When you say, I'm going to sit here and hold on to the evidence of what they have done. When you think, I'm going to stew about it, you allow yourself to stew about it, or you play the situation over and over and over in your mind until you've tattooed it in your brain. And all of this focusing on what has hurt me will only hurt me more and more. You know, it's going to change me into a bitter person. That bitterness will turn me into an immoral person. And that immoral person will become godless. 
that godless person is going to harbor hatred eventually towards all. Because so few see things the way a bitter person does, and they never see it every time like the bitter person does. That hatred will push all away because everyone will see a person who has changed into something ugly that is not pleasant to be around. Yeah, bitterness destroys the soul. That's why those who harbor it are called godless. It's because it corrupts. Too often, we like to excuse our unforgiveness. I know I have. I'm guilty. And we see why we have become this way and and what has happened is not fair. So we will cling on to our right to be angry because no one else will do it for us. Listen to what you're clinging to. You're clinging to what is poison. That poison will affect you. There's no way around it. I know when I was struggling for unforgiveness, I heard an illustration that really pictured this so well for me. And it was just an illustration of somebody, you know, the person that you're harboring ill feelings toward. It's just like you're drinking poison waiting for the other person to die. How ludicrous is that? But that's what we do when we harbor unforgiveness. Yeah, and most of the time, what happens, it kills you and it does nothing to them. So how do we get around this? You've been hurt. There's nothing that can change that. We all have to deal with forgiving those who have hurt us many times in our lives. God's word, though, has the answers for dealing with this. Let's stop allowing bitterness to destroy us and turn to the God who can save us from the pain others have inflicted on us. There's something else that we need to remember about forgiveness. It is something that we will need to use for the rest of our lives. We wrote this series all the way back, maybe early October. I think Dietrich wrote the series. But guess what has happened since then? And as we've mentioned before in our previous episodes, we've had someone very close to us make a flat-out false accusation towards us. And so now what are we having to do? We have to practice forgiveness all over again. And it is tough. But there is no doubt that it must be done so that we can be free of the bitterness that will come if we do not allow God to help us offer forgiveness so that we can be free of bitterness. Over the next few weeks, we will be discussing steps on how to work through this unforgiveness. Many of us know we need this, but we seem to be stuck. Here's the very first step we want to share. And even if you are a believer, we want you to start here. We must recognize unforgiveness for what it is, and that's sin. So we need to confess it to God. And to anyone who isn't a believer, the first step is to give your life to God by confessing as well. It's nearly impossible to forgive others when we have not had a divine forgiveness happen to ourselves. Our amazing God offers this through his son, the gift of forgiveness. We can be forgiven of every bad thing we have done when we hand our lives over to him. In the meantime, we're going to close this episode with a song about this very topic. This is the song Forgive Me by Rebecca St. James being sung by Lennox. That's all you have to say. Jesus, forgive me. I fall 
discussing more on Lisa's book about forgiveness. And we're going to identify some symptoms of unforgiveness. I think sometimes we think we've forgiven these people, but yet we haven't. And so we want to just look at some of the symptoms of unforgiveness. We ask that you continue to follow us here at Truth Is Now Treason. Until Until next time, my fellow traders. traders.